Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, June 22nd. I'm Carolina Sarasa, and these are today's headlines. A major vote in the Senate today as Democrats try to protect voting rights from a number of challenges in Republican-led states across the country. The U.S. reporting a new low in coronavirus infections with a growing number of states registering major vaccine progress. And a groundbreaking Supreme Court ruling could soon change college sports forever. A closer look at that ruling. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. the U.S. Senate is expected to vote on whether to begin debate on a voting rights bill. Edwin P.T. is in Washington, D.C. with more. Edwin. That's right, Carolina. Today's Senate vote is on whether to begin debate on a sweeping voting rights bill, and it marks the first procedural test for the bill called for the People Act. Since the 2020 elections, Republicans have been pushing for restrictive voting laws at the state level, and with the bill, Democrats see a tool to fight restrictive laws. The voting rights bill includes an expansion to early voting, lessens ID requirements, and allows same-day registration. It restricts partisan gerrymandering, restricts voter roll push by state. It also strikes down hurdles to voting. It requires presidential tax returns and it increases election security and transparency to campaign finance system. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said Republicans won't support the bill. As it is, take a listen. They've made abundantly clear that the real driving force behind S-1 is a desire to rig the rules of American elections permanently permanently in Democrats' favor. That's why the Senate will give this disastrous proposal no quarter. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin had proposed a compromise to obtain bipartisan support, but he has not been able to garner enough support. I've talked to everybody, and I've been working across the aisle with all the Republicans trying to get people to understand that that's the bedrock of our democracy, an accessible, fair, and basically secured voting. That's it. To have, and, and right now in a divided country, this is not about me, it's about our country. So far, even former President Obama said that he supports Senator Joe Manchin's effort to scale back a sweeping voting rights bill in hope of securing some Republican support. The bill is unlikely to pass the initial vote today, but Democrats see the vote as a chance to highlight their unity, creating a clear contrast with Republicans who are against the bill. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Carolina, back to you. Thank you for that report, Edwin Pitti. And now to understand more, we are joined by Esperanza Segarra. She's with the Racial Justice Group Advancing Pro Project. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It is a pretty large bill, but for you, what's the most important piece of this legislation? Well, you know, it's important for many reasons. And I think the, the main reason right now is that we have over 40 states that are passing uh, voter suppression laws. And for that, I, I don't think there's any other time in our history um, that, that we have seen in our recent history uh, where a federal legislation is needed on voting rights. We have laws throughout the states. Georgia is one where the Advancement Project, we filed lawsuit, we filed lawsuit in Florida. There's also laws in Texas, Arizona, and other states 
that our voter suppression laws that are intended to create restrictions that are unnecessary and that specifically target the black and brown communities. It targets uh, uh, persons with disabilities. And it's very important that we have this legislation. We no longer have Section 5 from the Voting Rights Act, which was the only thing that was present to prevent these types of laws from happening in the state. So it's very important to have this legislation passed. But this bill is likely to fail today. What are the arguments used by Republicans to oppose it? Well, the arguments that they have have been debunked. The arguments that the Republicans that are, are making are based on, uh, let's call them what they are, they're based on lies. They're based on allegations of fraud. They're based on uh, allegations that there have been fraud throughout these states, throughout the nation. Um, and what we've actually had have been an unprecedented turnout of black and brown voters, an unprecedented turnout of all voters. And that's exactly what democracy would want. So uh, when you have a laws that are being passed in these states based on lies that have been debunked by the very people, in fact, that are now trying to pass these laws, uh, there's something to be said where you know the, uh, uh, federal law is so necessary to, to maintain the legitimacy of our democracy. And what other venues and avenues do Democrats have after today's vote? I think, you know, it's, it's the Democrats have to continue to push. And I think it's also something that uh, the people, the people have to understand that their vote really matters. Everyone's vote matters. You know, like uh, our great Dr. Martin Luther King said, if we are not all free, if no one's free, we are not all free. So if no one's vote matters, then uh, it, it, it's necessary that all vote matters. And, and we have to make sure that we understand the laws that are being passed. We have to reach out to our senators today and we have to continue to be active and not be uh, uh, deterred in the, in the importance of our vote. And, and change the people that are, are making these decisions. Let's keep track of who are the people that are making these decisions to not uh, allow our vote to matter. And let's, let's change that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Esperanza Segarra of the Advancement Project. Thank you for having me. Meanwhile, a new poll shows that a majority of Americans reject Republican efforts to audit each state's 2020 election results. Those Americans say the reviews are an attempt to undermine valid election results. That's according to a Manmouth University poll released on Monday. 57% of those polled view the audits as bipartisan efforts to undermine valid election results. Another 40% of the public believe these kinds of audits will weaken American democracy. And now to another major legal ruling, a landmark decision by the Supreme Court concerning college athletes and whether they can get paid. And as it turns out, it is a huge victory for those players. The U.S. Supreme Court siding with the students. Andrea Linares explains what impact this decision will have moving forward. It's a big win. The stars of college sports reacting to the Supreme Court's big ruling against the NCAA, allowing more compensation for its athletes. This is really important to all student athletes um, just because it hasn't, you know, no legislation has done this for us um, ever. 
in a 9-0 decision, the highest court backing increased education payments for student-athletes. Justice Neil Gorsuch writing the court's opinion, pointing out that those who run this enterprise profit in a different way than the student-athletes whose activities they oversee. And Justice Brett Kavanaugh writing, the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. The NCAA is not above the law. Those expanded educational payments or benefits include paid internships, postgraduate scholarships, tutoring, computers, musical instruments, and study abroad. Players from every sport welcoming the news, saying this was long overdue. And the White House also applauding the Supreme Court's decision. As with all Americans, their hard work should not be exploited. And the president believes that everyone who works should be compensated fairly for his or her labor. Collegiate sports bring in an estimated $1 billion a year. However, students have largely not been able to have any piece of the revenue pie. However, the court did stop short of allowing outright payment of salaries to players. The NCAA acknowledging the court's ruling and going on to say in a statement, it remains free to articulate what are and are not truly educational benefits. There's another issue at hand. Student athletes wish to also be compensated for the use of their name, image and likeness. The NCAA says it's committed to supporting the push for those benefits and hopes to work with Congress on a path forward. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And in other legal news, the U.S. Ninth Court of Appeals has blocked a federal judge's controversial ruling that recently overturned California's longtime ban on assault weapons. In an order Monday, a three-judge panel on the federal appeals court issued a stay of Judge Roger Benitez's order. The order, filed earlier this month, overturned California's three-decade old assault weapons ban. California's current law will remain in effect while further proceedings continue. And the lawsuit against Donald Trump and other officials over the clearing of Lafayette Park in Washington, D.C. last summer has largely been dismissed. Members of the Washington, D.C. chapter of Black Lives Matter and other protesters had sued President Trump and other senior officials after they were pepper sprayed to clear the area for a presidential photo opportunity in which the former president posed for pictures holding a Bible. The Secret Service confirmed the number of peaceful protesters were severely injured in the unprovoked attack. But this doesn't mean the legal action is completely over. Defendants like former President Trump and former Attorney General Bill Barr can still be liable personally for their actions that day. The Delta variant is already spiking cases in some areas of the country, while other states are reporting a low number of cases. The first signs of what could soon be two COVID nations as the Delta variant continues to spread. Lorraine Casares has all the details. The U.S. seeing the lowest number of COVID-19 cases in over a year. The CDC reporting the seven-day average is now down to just about 10,000, a stark contrast from the beginning of the year. 
In Virginia, the governor celebrating the milestone of not only reaching but surpassing the Biden administration's goal of vaccinating at least 70 percent of adults by July 4th. Every person who has stepped up and gotten your shot, you have made yourself and your neighbors safer. You have allowed us to get back toward a more normal life. You have made a difference. And for anyone who still has not gotten vaccinated, please do it. We have three safe and effective vaccines and everyone 12 and over is eligible. In Michigan, like so cases so low, the governor dropped all COVID States mandates, despite uh, not yet reaching the vaccination goals. But it was important to recognize that because the case rates are so low right now, we've got an opportunity to drop a lot of these uh, mandates that have, we've all had to abide by so that people can feel the freedom that comes with 61% of our population getting vaccinated. When we get to 70%, will all be much safer. But the situation is much different in places like Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri, where the Delta variant, combined with low vaccination rates, is believed to be causing outbreaks. We never imagined this big of an increase. The CEO of Cox Health, a healthcare system based in Springfield, Missouri, says they've seen a six-fold increase in COVID-19 hospitalizations. There is no doubt those states that are not vaccinating well could very well lag the remainder of the, company, the country in recovering from this situation. Vaccination rates are falling behind significantly in and vaccination rates are falling behind significantly in the age group 18 to 39, which right now accounts for 30% of the population, but only 27% of that age group is currently fully vaccinated. Back to you, Carolina. Thank you, Lorraine, for that live report. And the Biden administration is considering ending a policy that has turned away almost 650,000 migrants at the border. The health policy, known as Title 42, has given officials authority to turn migrants away since the onset of the COVID pandemic. Immigration advocates say the policy has put migrants in harm's way by subjecting them to dangerous conditions in Mexico. It has also led to some families separating since unaccompanied children are not subject to the policy. The Biden administration has been identifying some families in Mexico and allowing them to enter the U.S. in recent weeks. And in Texas, new, more relaxed gun laws are causing concern about armed ranchers and how they may put themselves and migrants in danger along the border. Pedro Rojas explains from South Texas. We will not let our state and our country be invaded. That was Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick last week, as Governor Greg Abbott prepared to sign a new law to allow people in Texas to carry guns without a permit. It started on September 1st. Governor Abbott added that the new law will help border ranchers defend themselves. But Joe Aguilar, a landowner in South Texas, has some concern. There will be people that have no worthy idea as to what, uh, how to use a firearm. Even with having a permit, it's a very limited amount of training that uh, you would get to be able to uh, use a firearm. 
and even then it would be dangerous. This is how Aguilar described how migrants frequently damage fences on private land to enter the United States. They just walk over, stomp over anything you've got or go through your, your sheds, go through your houses. I mean, they, they want to survive. Texas ranchers are accustomed to carry guns in order to protect their land. And according to them, what this new law does is to increase their access to more weapons. Aguilar says the majority of ranchers had licenses to carry guns because of the dangers at the border. Fernando Garcia, an activist from El Paso, Texas, fears that the anti-immigrant rhetoric used by the state's highest authorities could trigger mass shootings like the one that took place in his city at a Walmart store in August of 2019. These distortions about everybody crossing the border is a potential criminals. Uh, it is, I'm very concerned that it's going to create more scenarios of violence against families uh, crossing the border. During the signing ceremony for the new gun law, the lieutenant governor continued pushing his message. It's not going to happen on our watch, and that's why these bills passed. So far, the state of Texas has reported the arrest of 1,500 criminals at the border since Operation Lone Star started in March of this year. In La Jolla, Texas, Pedro Rojas, U News. More of your news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. More than a century after Hollywood was founded in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Unified School District will open a public high school to teach sciences and techniques in film and television to Latino students, another low-income minority group for the first time. In a project spearheaded by well-known actors and producers, such as George Clooney and Eva Longoria. I hope that Eva and George and others involved are able to do it because it's important because education is the only thing we have. The goal is properly train Latino and other minority students and to ultimately diversify the entertainment industry. To build a more inclusive pipeline of career-ready talent for the film and television industry. I think it's a huge step. I'm speaking on a personal level. It is a shame that almost 50% of the population in Hollywood in the city of Los Angeles are Hispanic, working-class people, However, there are very few Latinos on TV and the movie industries. The new high school will open its doors in 2022 inside the Edward Roybal Center in the heart of Los Angeles. This groundbreaking program will help prepare students for good-paying jobs in the film and television industry by integrating practical industry experience and internships for students into the curriculum. This is a very powerful art, and we have to understand that the future is in our hands, and we have to educate our children. For this program, it's estimated that the Royal School will require an increase of $2 million that will come from the partners of the Hollywood Project. In Los Angeles, Jaime Garcia, U News.
Thanks for listening to UNews, the podcast. Don't forget to follow UNews on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then. Thank you.